Jesse Douglas Smith McGraw, and this is What Moves You with Jesse. I'm a transformative coach on a mission to share an understanding of how our minds work that challenges how we react to life and our thoughts. I love to share stories and common sense ideas that empower you to take charge of yourself in a way that brings immediate and profound change. What I know to be true is that we are all innately healthy and doing our best with the thinking we have available to us on a moment-to-moment basis. And waking up to this will change what moves you. I'm so happy you're here. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to What Moves You with Jesse. This week, we have an indelible talent that has used all of her strengths, not only for the good of people, but to carve a path in an industry that has been long overdue for a revamp in the care of its performers. Claire Warden is one of the pioneers of intimacy coordination and direction in the theater, TV, and film industry. Leading the way in inevitably creating safer environments for actors with direction and choreography in intimate physical contact, nude, and simulated sex scenes, effectively realizing the director's vision while prioritizing the safety and confidence of all those involved in the production. She has been an intimacy coordinator and consultant on television networks including HBO, Hulu, Amazon, Showtime, as well as major motion picture studios, Sony, and 20th Century Fox. She recently made history as the first intimacy director on Broadway with Frankie and Johnny in the Claire de Lune, and also worked as intimacy director on the Broadway productions of Slave Play, The Inheritance, Jagged Little Pill, and Linda Vista. She was recently awarded Variety Magazine's 2019 10 Broadway Players to Watch, as well as a Drama Desk Award winner for Outstanding Fight Choreography for Slave Play. If I haven't convinced you yet with her outstanding body of work, Claire also trains faculty and students in acting training institutions across the country, including Yale, NYU, Brown Trinity, Stella Adler, and numerous others. I met her before all of this magic took place, and she's always been a force, a phenomenal actress and human being. She has incredible light to shed on what we hold on to in our bodies as human beings, and I can guarantee you that you will have light bulb moments throughout this entire conversation because every story can illuminate your own. So without further ado, coming from a sound booth in the middle of Broadway, here is Claire Warden. Hi, Claire. Hello. (laughs) It's so nice to see you and hear you. (laughs) <laughs> it's so nice to see you and hear you too. Um, it has been 
How many years has it been since we've been in each other's actual presence? I mean, physically in the same place, I think six years, maybe five Uh, or six years, I think. Wow. Time flies. Doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, So, so everybody hearing, you know, listening um, has a little bit of context I had the great opportunity of meeting you while you were in a fantastic show with my husband, Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys were at Berkeley Rep and then at South Coast Rep down in Southern California doing One Man, Two Governors. Mm-hmm. And um, you were absolutely fantastic. I fell in love with you before we even had the opportunity to meet backstage and get to know each other because you absolutely take command of the, of the stage and of the room, any room that you walk into, you are such, such a bright light and energy and you are, your heart is just wide open no matter the conversation or the presentation or the performance that you are doing. And I admire it so much, Claire. So thank you so Mm. much for joining me and allowing me to share you with my audience. Mm, Thank you. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's humbling and exciting to hear that from, especially from someone like you and, and such a a dear soul in my heart. Um, and And I'm trying to just take it and be like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) so you have taken a few twists and turns i know you are still i mean i would hope that you don't leave acting behind you because you are so fantastic um but uh over the course of the conversation i would love to kind of share the different turns you've taken you've you've taken some really major leadership leadership roles in the entertainment industry of theater tv and film but before we go there can you share a little bit about you and where are you from and and how did you get to this point? What a Ooh, big question. What a that big is, <laughs> that is a big question. It's funny, sometimes like I'll talk about things that I did in my past or like, oh, that job or when I lived in this country. And it honestly feels like somebody else's life or a movie that I watched. And I'm like, oh yeah, did I do that? So that's a it's a it's a long and winding road but uh the basics i'm from a little island called guernsey which is off the coast of france and england kind of between france and england um in the channel islands uh my parents are english um and so i was born there grew up there and then i moved to england when i was 18 to go to university because it's such a small island we don't have universities um uh and lived and worked in england for a while began my career there uh in acting and then 14 years ago i moved to the us um i met my former husband in england um and uh and we fell in love and decided we'd spend the rest of our lives together and um uh were deciding whether he was going to stay in england or i would come to america and we were like all right, let's go check out your place and just decided to sell everything and move. Um, and that's how I kind of landed in America. And then that was a real kind of whole life start over in a way in the, you know, no one knew me here. So it was kind of like starting my career again, but it was also this enormous freedom of 
I could do anything. What do I most want to do in the world? And let's have a go at that. What um, a, I mean, that that in and of itself, by the way, is a is something something that hit me when you said it is, it's an opportunity that we can all take, but isn't it interesting that it's, you know, we, we don't see, see life that way until things kind of shake out and give us a big shift, you know, like, like you moving countries or, you Mm. know, us hitting rock bottom. Like that's when we go, okay, what do I want in life? But the reality is, is that that's always available to us, you know? Right. It's funny that we, we, we seem to need permission or, someone else or an outside force to allow us to move truly in the direction of what we want or that that there needs to be a measure of it has to get this bad before we make change as opposed to <laughs> like well how how loud is my heart speaking for this thing well that's why i should go or um or you know how uh how engaged am I in what I'm doing at the moment? Is there something else I could be more engaged in? You know? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So from there, is that when you started um, deep dive into theater actress? I mean, I was theater actress before and TV uh, before I moved here, but I had in fact left acting for a couple of years before I moved to America. Um, It's a very, it's a grueling and difficult uh, career anywhere, but especially in England. Um, and I had stepped back from it and I trained as a life coach, uh, wondering if that was, you know, where my uh, my journey might take me or where my purpose was. Um, and after a couple of years, you know, realized that I, I did miss acting as a career, but it was a little frightening for me to consider going back to it um and so I kind of danced around the edges for a while and worked as an assistant to a theater designer and uh then thought maybe that I would be a a text coach for Shakespeare Shakespeare was like my deep love of of acting and always has been and still is and then I thought so maybe I could play it safe and I could like be a text coach so I'm still I'm still in it but I'm not doing the really scary stuff of actually going back to trying to be an actor again. Um, and I, I did a, a kind of intensive, month-long intensive training course with a company that I was going to, I was thinking about working as a text coach for, so I went to like experience their training, see how they work. And about halfway through that, the little voice that every so often in the big moments in my life that just floats up and goes, uh, this is what you need to do now. Um, said you need to go back to acting and I was like oh darn it okay I was just like oh no okay um let's go Uh, and that's what kind of brought me back to the acting world and then yes that was a full deep dive into acting did a lot of theater acting bit of tv acting um and that kind of propelled me on and then I added about maybe eight years ago, properly like looking into and training to work as a fight choreographer for the stage as well. So that's when I began kind of bringing fight and violence work into my career sphere in a way and doing both. And at that time, I was also beginning to teach um, acting as well. 
Wow. What was the thing that made you go, made you get interested? What was the spark about the fight choreography? As a person, I think I've, I've always had a deep kind of curie, like a visceral curiosity about violence and our capacity for violence as human beings. I remember even as a child, um, as a young, before I decided I was going to be actress, I had thought I was going to be a stunt woman. Um, and then I decided that I, I didn't want to break my body early. So I do acting instead, but I've in the, in those very few moments where I witnessed science, even violence, even as a child, there's like a deep visceral, uh, uh, curiosity need to understand it. Um, and, and I have a deep connection to using my body in my work like working in an embodied way which you know acting did to some extent um but i i wanted more i wanted like more like deep physical active physical engagement um and you know i don't like getting hurt so i wasn't going to like explore my violence through boxing or something like that because i was like no i don't like getting actually hit so um so i realized that uh, uh, kind of working in, but also creating stories of stage violence was a way for me to really deeply engage this curiosity and need to understand our capacity for, our capacity both for our as in human beings, capacity both for inflicting violence, but also for taking violence and the emotional like cost and consequence of it that I could combine that with my love of storytelling um, and my kind of creative storytelling passion. Um, and very early on in my study of the work, I started to see, um, I started to see how a particular approach to violence could either be enlivening and and uh healthy for actors or could ask too much of them and so to be really interested in how do i support actors when creating stories of physical violence that allows them to be embodies particular actors with trauma whether they have violence or any kind of trauma in their past how do i help them work in a deeply authentic way whilst still working in a way that is healthy, both like emotionally as well as physically for them. Uh, and that they get to remain in control of the stories in their body and how it's used for their work, as opposed to sacrificing their bodies or their stories to serve, I say in inverted commas, their work um, or the story. Um, or just survive that process. That's incredible. So what have you, you know, I know that this is a question that could be truly a, the framework of an entire three-day workshop, <laughs> but uh, what have you kind of discovered in how to navigate that for like that exact, that last piece you just said, how mm. do, how can I help actors tap into an authentic experience to them, but while also then 
feeling like they're still in charge of their body and their narrative so they can bring it to the table, but feel safe and protected inside of themselves. Do you ask them certain questions? Do you, what are, what are the, what does that look like? I think there's some fundam- a couple of fundamental pieces of knowledge that really help in uh, one being that all, everything we experience is stored in our body mm-hmm. somatically uh, and understanding that is the first key. Um, and whether we cognitively know it of it, remember it, or speak of it, it's in our body. And so a deep understanding and respect of that is vital. I think uh, another thing is that kind of um, our own self-knowledge is our own self-power. Um, and so the more that uh, an individual can or, or where a person is on their journey through the know, the knowing and the passing through and the integration of any particular trauma they have, the, the where they are on their journey will affect their ability um, to uh, to know how their their trauma might affect their body, know what might be triggering of it, know how it might manifest, and know how to manage it in different s- situations. Um, and then um, another thing that which I which I kind of try to help to develop is a is a kind of emotional dexterity, which I think is something that all actors work on and need and have to different degrees. But dexterity being that ability to to jump into and to tap into and drop into really deep, powerful emotions when needed and the ability to step out and let it go Um, and there's various uh, uh, kind of uh, parallels or imaginations for that I'm a very visual person so I've often used things like the aperture of a camera or or sliding doors or um, uh, uh, or like um, an expanding ring like that ability to to be really deft at how why do I open the aperture at this point? How much do the door slide open? And okay, that's too much. And how do I close it a little bit? Or do I need to slam it shut? Or like, or how can I kind of move back and forth with that? Um, but I think it's not until you build a space that is uh, that allows actors to know they have control uh, and they have a say in what that is. Um, and to allow, help them to keep checking in with what their body is doing at any particular time and get to recognize what the signs in their own body are of. We're getting a little close to something that, that you know, we're getting close to whelmed. We're getting close to overwhelmed. Oops, we went too far, right? Um, and to like help to be a guide if they need it for them then to be able to be in choice themselves and and run that journey, manage that journey themselves. Um, and I think many people are at very different, various different stages. Um, but I think the first thing we have to do is admit it's there, make it okay, uh, uh, you know, tr- a deeply trauma-informed approach to work um, and that it is, uh, and that we are, we as a team, whoever is working in the space, um, is holding the space for that discovery wherever they are in their in their level of it. 
it's kind of mind blowing to me on this side because I'm thinking to myself that um, that is so uh, it, it it can absolutely everyone listening right now could I'm sure are probably nodding their heads going I could be thinking about this in this way for myself in my normal life mm-hmm. you know <laughs> you know it's such a it's the more we have understanding just about how we work inside. I think that's why I've just, I've been so, um, so uh, for lack of a better word, turned on by your work because it Mm -hmm. feels so, uh, uh, it just feels so familiar to me about how empowering I know it is for when people understand about how how it's all working inside. Mm. That's so much more empowering than trying to figure out tools and techniques in order to feel okay in life. It's like, we, we don't, we don't kind of um, take a moment to notice how knowledge about what's universal for all of us. Like you said, that trauma exists in the body and, and lives there, whether we're conscious of it or not. Right. Mm -hmm that, you know, in my work that we, we all have thought and our consciousness lights that up. And I'm the same kind of thing with being a visual person, you know, a more recent, um, analogy I've been using is when you're not aware that you're living in the experience of thought, it's like, you are always in the movie, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're on set all the time. And then the second you start to understand about how it works inside, then it becomes, you are no longer on set. Now your ass is in the seat watching the movie, Mm. Mm. you know, it kind of adds a little separation. So you can, it's the same kind of thing of, of becoming more and more conscious of where your experience is coming from and how helpful that can be and feeling like you are in charge of your, how you're feeling inside and, and where you want to stay, what you want to be doing all there's so much that, that goes with that. And um, I think, I think what can be really helpful is if we give ourselves, or if we take the time and we invest in that knowledge of ourselves and especially in moments of, in times of calm and safety, that we build that knowledge about what might be when we hit crisis points so that we develop our tools and we recognize it before we need it right it's the same way as you know the more that you use a tool the, the i don't know what's in there like the more you practice and learn about safe driving when you get into the skid then you know right it's not the time to kind of first just start thinking about what do you do in a skid when your car's in the skid right and it's it's that kind of thing that if we can take the time to when things are going great and we feel secure and held and healthy and safe that we can think about so what are the things a that really nurture me and make me feel good and where are my tender parts where are the parts that take from me what are the kind of conversations that really are triggering for me or that um that are are difficult for me and how does my body react in those and then what can I do about it so that we actually build those tools and so when that difficult conversation starts you're like oh I know my sentence is you know what I'm 
not ready to have this conversation with you yet. I'm going to step away. You know, that's my line. Or when I start feeling like my legs going numb, that's when I have to say to myself, oh, I need to get up and walk around or I need to start breathing. I need to go find a corner. I need to call my friend, whatever it is. Like those are, they're ready to go. So when crisis hits, we have the plan that we just flip the, flip the plan switch and we go into action. I love that. So this feels like a kind of natural bridge to what you do now, because that's really uh, what you do, right? Mm. <laughs> In addition to acting. So I, I know that that's, you know, something that has, it hasn't left your life completely, but uh, share with us what is, um, share with us what you are doing now. So now I work as an intimacy director and intimacy coordinator, which basically means that within the uh, within theater and live performance, as well as TV and film, I work as an advocate for actors when they are working on nudity, simulated sex scenes, or scenes of deep physical intimacy, um, in order to ensure their to advocate for them and their consent levels, uh, and ensure that anything they are doing that they're maintaining agency over their body and how it is interacted with and what is shown. And that I facilitate a consent-based environment and workplace with everybody that is involved with those scenes and the actor so that, uh, so that we, uh, we center at all times throughout the creation, the actor's consent and boundary levels. Wow. And were you one of the first to create this the the intimacy coordination and direction field uh i in a way not no no and yes and maybe uh in that <laughs> there there have been many artists for years having a conversation about consent within uh, uh, performance in general and specifically in uh, sex scenes and many people doing what they can to support actors uh, in their own personal way. Um, I was part of a team that first kind of codified an approach to this work in order to to make it a, a definable discipline in that uh getting together um or doing a lot of research so there were three women that kind of began that process alicia rhodes tonya cena and um siobhan richardson um who kind of began the conversation of what actually happens to an actor when we ask them to do that and how can we what are the various levels of support that we can provide um, and what's a structure that we can build that people can follow so we we are ensuring that we're catching all the aspects of consent that's required each time and that we have a structure that can be followed um, and uh and a and a kind of uh guidepost or a set of pillars we call them the pillars that uphold that work so i was part of the team that helped to kind of uh initially create that definition that codification and then have continued to develop it as we go it began in life performance first and then uh, alicia rhodes uh and uh, our kind of team at that point 
really kind of made the transition over to uh, large-scale TV uh, and how that kind of codification, that discipline we created worked on a film set. Um, uh, and then we, you know, and we have continued to develop it on that side as well. There are many other people that have, you know, both with our team and with other teams also looked into this and, and begun their kind of approach uh, that, you know, differ in various ways um, to the work. And now it is like, now it has become in the short time we've been doing it, it has now a recognizable discipline that a lot more people understand. When I first started doing it, I would, people say, what do you do? And I'd say, I'm an intimacy director. And they'd be like, what is that? And now at least I said to people and they go, oh, okay, I know that, or I've heard of that, or I worked with one, or my friend worked with one. Amazing. And what was the inspiration for Alicia and you and that, and that initial group that started the research and started creating, creating this, were you all actors that had experienced feeling kind of like the bottom had felt fell out and you didn't have support in those types of scenes or what was the motivation? I think there's kind of mixed experience for each of us. We're all movement people in some way. A bunch of us are fight people, fight directors and fight choreographers and a couple of kind of movement directors. And some uh, some of us have had the experience of as actors of you know being in scenes like that that have not been consensual and that have not gone well. But I honestly think I think there was a lot of conversation for for many years. Is there was a lot of talk of like someone really should do something about this. Like there should be there should be something that makes this better. There should be some kind of system. Someone should do this. And I think there was a lot of that. And eventually, like you know, Tony, Siobhan, and Alicia found themselves in the same room. And then I joined that very soon afterwards. And, and I think we all looked around, we're like, well, I guess that someone might be us, you know, like no one else, everyone's saying someone should do this. Okay. Why don't we, why, why don't we do it? Um, wow. And it came from that. And then once it was started, there were a lot of people being like, yes, right. And then here and adding and and learning together and exploring and and um, expanding kind of with lots of other people's knowledge and experience and ideas. Yeah, and I know that it's been received so well. Obviously, like you said, because you guys have grown so fast and the the um, the field of it has grown so fast. Like I said to you when we caught up weeks ago, you know, my dear friend who is an actress here in Los Angeles worked with one on an HBO show and Mm -hmm. that was her first time experiencing it. And when she first got the call from the the woman who helped her, I was like, oh, I know what that is. And I started to talk to her about you and, and that whole experience. And you know, it was, it was great for her to kind of get even more context around what does this look like? Because I know that there, um, and you, I, I'm, you tell me more about what you, you think on your experience one-to-one with people. But I think there was a bit of a misconception that it was just going to be somebody coming into the room, coming into the scene and going, nope, you can't do that. Nope, you can't do that. That's not how it works. Nope, that's going to get you in trouble. Nope, nope. You know, it's just going to make mm-hmm. an actor feel edited. Whereas, um, you know, my friend's experience and then a lot of the folks, you know, like I've watched that video of Audra McDonald and Michael Shannon talking about you that it's quite the opposite, that people Mm. actually feel more comfortable to 
express themselves because of these different parameters and framework that you are creating. Um, so it, it has, is that what, was that something that you guys kind of had to work through also of people kind of getting a, having a misconception before understanding how freeing it actually was going to be to have you? <laughs> yeah, I think so. And I, and I wonder, I wonder if it kind of came out of a, a, a kind of confluence of events in that we, we had started kind of the codification, the creation of the work, um, in 2016 going into 2017 it was kind of mid 2017 that the um the 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 kind of re shining the light on the me too movement the creation of the me too movement um and the uh the explosion of the exposure in the entertainment business of sexual harassment um that happened um and whilst absolutely part of the work of intimacy direction and coordination is consent-based and is to prevent, you know, inadvertent or advertent sexual assault as part of your work or harassment. Um, we always created it with a view of it being a craft. It is a choreographic craft that, in, that also involves the art and craft of advocating for consent and navigating the power dynamics that can um, that can uh, affect someone's ability to consent, um, and so there there was a lot of in in the entertainment business at that time. There was a lot of you know a lot of fear and a, and a lot of like need to stop the bad things happening, which was you know absolutely as it should be. Um, and whilst that is part of what we do, it's only a small part. Um, and so I think there was a there was the 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 understanding like this person is here to stop bad things happening, um, and just kind of lost the we're also here to make amazing art together as a, <laughs> yes. in a different way. Um, and 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 I, I've said you know I've I've met all kinds of resistance uh, to the work, and almost all the time once like someone has gone through the process and like worked with someone and actually understood what it's there for very often there's a like oh oh i get this oh this is great no now i understand what this is because it does actually it makes things more efficient it makes um people it makes the uh people more confident in their work especially our actors and our directors it allows for clearer communication therefore better storytelling and it makes a braver space where people can really uh uh lean into artistic risks and um and deeper more specific more authentic storytelling because the problem before was simply that there was most of the time, a lot of the problem was that there just wasn't conversation around it because people didn't know how to talk about it. So with no communication, that's when issues can happen from like just a kind of bad or stereotypical kind of story because we're just leaning back on the tropes and the, the objectification of, of certain people because that's what society tells us um, to, you know, inadvertent harm being caused because no one knew what was okay and what wasn't okay. Uh, two people taking advantage of a situation uh, and power dynamics in which no one quite knew how to navigate. Wow. 
what have you learned for yourself in all of these last few years? I mean, you are absolutely in the thick of being, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of it's what I've shared with folks before for myself with my work is that, you know, it's almost like when you're in constant, constant research of the human condition, because you, mm. you know, I have so many folks that I'm constantly talking to that it's what's really beautiful is that it's like, I get more and more understanding of humanity and how we all click and how different we are and how the same we are. Um, and there, it, 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 you know, the implication of that for me is that it, uh, you know, it's, it, I have constant curiosity about what's going on inside, you know, and the more curious you are, the more understanding you have. Mm. But anyway, that's just for me, I would love to know, you know, what is, what, what has this, what, what bubbles up like right off the bat for you that, that stands out that you've kind of learned about yourself in this process. And it doesn't even have to be directly relate related to, you know, the, the content of things like any kind of trauma about yourself personally, but, you know, even just, just all, all of the navigating, starting something so new and in an industry, and then also what you're learning about humans and, and how to teach in a different way. It's what comes up for you? Mm, I'm so much. There's so many things yeah. I've I've learned. I I would say the big things, um, or the things that really strike me regularly, um, is that <clears throat> I think underneath, and I'm going to say all, and I'm ready to be proved wrong, but I believe that underneath all resistance is either hurt or fear, or a combination of both. And that if you go head on with the resistance, you will never get through it or get beyond it. But if you are willing to hold space for the hurt and or the fear, then you can find resolution. That's a really powerful thing. And it doesn't matter who that person is or how powerful or successful or rich or famous they are. There's still human beings that hold that. Um, that's that's. Let's take a moment of pause. Because <laughs> that yeah. is, I truly, you know, I'm sure there's not heads nodding out there listening to this because it's, mm. I mean, it's, it resonates as so true. Beautiful. Mm. Mm. Um, I have also, or something that I'm still trying to, very personally, something that I'm still trying to, to, uh, to to deeply engage with or learn better <laughs> um, is uh, is the levels of self care, and I say that with like doing little air quotes. In the self care is a practice um, that is very easy to stop at a surface level and say, "Yes, I'll I take a bubble bath and I did some yoga, so that's self care." Um, uh, and that uh, the way that you engage with other people in your life and the depth with which you are able to engage with people um, very much depends on a, 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 a continuing practice of self-care, uh, which I, um, I fail at regularly because I have, and this is a lot to do with my upbringing, it's a lot to do with, you know, being stuck, uh, uh, stuck and conditioned in the... Um, 
in the ways of white supremacy, but I have perfectionism and I have individualism that, that really um, interferes with my ability to take care of myself, like to, 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 to decompress, to do the things I need to do, to release all the stuff that I hold for other people uh, in, you know, as I go through my work. Um, and the, like, just living in this world. Uh, uh, and that the, the, the amount of permission, I think many people feel they need to grant themselves. Um, that it feels like an add-on um, as opposed to a, a vital part of healthy living. Um, mm -hmm. And that's something I consistently fail at. Uh, and I teach this stuff for a living, right? <laughs> yes. I literally teach it and I'm still like, oh, no, 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 I haven't got time. I'll just, I'll be fine. Um, so, uh, so constantly uh, 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 trying to find generosity and grace for myself uh, in that journey. Um, uh, and, and I think, you know, I think another powerful lesson is like, no one ever died from awkwardness. Right. Uh, and it can feel really impossible to start that awkward conversation, whether it be a conversation about sex or whether it be a conversation about, you know, the way my colleague slurps their tea next to me all the time or whether it be, you know, saying something you know, when someone caused me harm or whether it be a need I have to speak within my family, like that fear of awkwardness or of, of the difficult conversation, it can be, it can feel paralyzing. Uh, and uh, the fear of it is often worse than it actually is. Uh, and the more we, we do it, the better we get at it. Like I, it's literally my job to have awkward conversations now. And I've done it so much that it just doesn't feel awkward anymore because I've, it's, it's reps that I'm getting in. Um, and so how, you know, I, I guess I offer how, um, you know, what's the, the, What's the level of courage and how can you find that in order to have the conversation that you might need to have? My mentor would say to me, um, uh, uh, you only need an eighth of an inch more courage than fear to succeed at something, right? Um, and, uh, and so how can we just boost that courage a little bit to have the conversation that needs having? Uh, because almost always afterwards, like, <gasps> it's just like, something's been lifted. And even if you don't get what you want, you spoke for what you needed, right? And that in itself is a practice. Yes. It's amazing how much, to your point, we have so much conditioned thinking around, you know, how am I going to be received? How am I going to be perceived? How, you know, how, you know, living in the future of how is this going to go? Making up so many different experiences that haven't even happened yet. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and again, like you said, and it's so paralyzing because, you know, that's our, our body chemistry going, well, shit, if you're not going to protect me, I feel crazy. So I'll just protect you and make you frozen. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so you find yourself putting yourself in that position with people of kind of giving them the permission to see past 
all of that that's going on inside of them and kind of showing them the yellow brick road of, of how to go forward. It sounds like. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So you are taking on one thing after another. We are literally having a conversation on a one hour break, (laughs) a rehearsal and an event. And I think that you are in the midst, are you in the midst of rehearsals for one thing in the, on a break of another project that you are on? Yes, I'm currently working full-time on a TV show and on a Broadway show, kind of at the same time. (laughs) How? Um, Scheduling, (laughs) generosity of of my my colleagues, uh, and uh, and really trying to practice of the presence in the moment, whatever that moment is. Um, You know, it's not, it's not the way it should be and you know i keep trying to work hard again with this kind of um i'm successful because i'm doing it all or like this monopoly that gets created the situation is right now there are not enough people that are fully trained in this discipline to serve the demand as it recognizes the discipline um, is it takes quite a while to fully train in this work. So we're at a point where we have a number of people in training that will be ready. And once they are, then I you know, have to break the monopoly that those of us that are doing it are doing have over it rather so that, um, you know, so that the work gets, shared and that there are many people that can contribute to this. Um, uh, and I'm incredibly lucky that I get to be doing, you know, these two amazing shows together at the same time. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I'm, I deeply acknowledge like the, my, my, my fortune and the lucky position I am in. Um, I don't take that lightly. Uh, and you know, it's freaking exhausting as well. <laughs> um, uh, but my creative juices are flowing as they say. Yeah, absolutely. Do you ever take a moment to reflect on the fact that, because after listening to you talk for the last, cause we're coming around the bend already, cause time always flies, but, um, you're, you, what you are doing now is literally an accumulation of all of your life experiences Mm -hmm. as an actress, as a fight coordinator, right. And, and choreographer, even in that short period of time that you did coaching, Mm -hmm. like you absolutely are implementing what you learned there. Deeply. Right. Mm. So have you, have you ever taken a moment and kind of, of awe of like, wow. You know how you can, when we look backwards, we can see how the dots connect, but you can't ever do it looking forward, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If if only we could, life would be a lot simpler. Right. Um, I have, there have been a few moments and I would, I would go, you know, even deeper to say that um, some of the formative experience of my personal life have deeply informed and fed into the fundamental reason that I do this work. Um, and I would say even like a couple of my most powerful traumas in my life are catalysts to the drive that I have to do this work. Um, and 
in fact, as we were kind of creating the training program for intimacy directors and coordinators, um, I began to ask the question, I began to suggest to people that were interested in training, the question, you need to very deeply ask yourself the question, why do I want to do this? Because there are many reasons people are called to do it. And there are some reasons that, uh, that there are some reasons that are, you know, will really serve you. And there are some that will not serve you. And those reasons need to be kind of unpacked and managed before you're able to be kind of in a motivational and emotionally fit place to do this work. Um, so that in asking that question, you know, I examined myself, well, why, why did I, why do I want to do this? Or why do I do this? Or why, why, you know, why did it fit so well when I started creating it and what have my contributions to it come out of? Um, because it really was, you know, when I first kind of learned of this work, beginning it was one of those moments where I was like oh this is what I'm on the earth to do like it was one of those real like everything makes sense and this timing you know I if it had come 10 years earlier I wouldn't have had as much to contribute as I do now um so yes I, I definitely think that you know I've I have had those moments of oh yes all this comes together in this way but also great this was what i had to to give to the discipline and to the industry um and it took you know it gave a certain kind of direction and a certain uh, element to the work and then you know jessica my colleague over here had that to bring and that then gave a certain color and a dimension to the work so i think you know, it has grown out of what the many people contribute and continue to contribute. And I learned from them and they learned from me. Um, and, and maybe it was also, I'm not a great believer in fate, but maybe it was also just kind of right person, right time in the, you know, in the makeup of the team I was very, you know, I was very much, I am the the kind of frontline warrior, right? So I'm the one that, you know, kicks in the doors and leads this way troops and leads the people forward and like gets in the room, partly because of a lot of my privilege and a lot of like the protection that my identities afford me. And like, I have this accent in this country. Um, so like I get access and I can command attention and then I can use that to kind of, uh, to introduce and, and, and uphold the work. Um, but you know, that was a member of the team. That was what I brought to the team. Um, and then other people, you know, bring other things. Um, so there was also that kind of, uh, you know the 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 each per the dream team. I don't. I I'm balking at using the Avengers, but you know it's that kind of like each one brings their skill, and then together they can make things happen. 
Yes. I mean, it's, it's a fair, it's a fair comparison. Yeah. <laughs> Cause even as you said, you know, I'm the one that kicks the door down. I was like, Oh, I'm not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And sometimes I simply need to like knock on it and say, excuse me, I would like to have a conversation. And suddenly people open doors. Right. And then I'm like, right now we're in here. All these people are coming with me and this is what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Um, Okay. So final question that I give everybody and it is whatever, whatever bubbles up for you, you interpret it how you will. Mm -hmm. Claire Warden, what moves you? That question, honestly. Um, There's always a a moment of pause, so don't worry. Mm -hmm. Um, the courage, uh, seeing, seeing someone displaying the courage to love in situations of adversity, people continually choosing to be brave enough to show love and not like just romantic love, but like the love of humanity and compassion, um, daring you know, with a cracked heart to keep daring to hope. That's what deeply moves me. You said your truth because you you brought tears to my eyes. So obviously (laughs) that is your answer. That is a good one. Oh, that's really beautiful. Well, being left speechless, I think this is a good place to end. <laughs> so Claire, where can people find where can people find out more about you? And then if there is anybody that is interested in joining the movement of becoming an intimacy coordinator, I, is that two different places that they would they would uh, uh, they kind of combined? You can I mean you can find me on my website, clairewarden.com. Um, that's simple. It needs updating. Apologies. Um, uh, uh, regarding intimacy director or coordinator work, uh, the company that I work with is called Intimacy Directors and Coordinators, or IDC. Uh, it, um, uh, you can just Google intimacydirectorsandcoordinators.com, uh, and that will come up. Uh, and that's, that's, that's not only just train, like we offer training for someone who wants to go on the path of intimacy directional coordination, but also just for any artist that wants to learn about working in a consent forward way, like, and how to bring that understanding, whether it's like, you know, a three hour webinar or a class, you know, four week class, six week class, whatever, you know, and a community with which people who are interested in creating consent based practices can be together and learn. Um, so there, and I'm on, I'm on, I'm on Instagram and Facebook and I really don't post at all much. So <laughs> you can go see some old stuff about me on there if you want, but <laughs> that's about it. The things you do post though, is it, it's kind of mind blowing, you know, it's like the different, especially in the last few years, that's when I was like, what is Claire doing? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Occasionally I'll be like, oh, by the way, this doing this, doing that. And wow, look at these cool people. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just won this incredible award. And I was like, yeah. what is happening? 
yeah. uh, which I will share more about all of that in the intro to this that I will record for, I'll pre-record so everybody knows all the things about all of the, all of the, the full picture of how marvelous you are. That's lovely. Claire, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. You have shared such beautiful insights that I think are incredibly helpful for people that it doesn't matter whether they're, you know, on stage or not, mm-hmm. um, you know, huge, huge insights, really helpful information. Um, and then just being you is just wonderful to have. So thank you so much. Thank you. It's been such a joy and a pleasure and a heart massage to to (laughs) chat with you. Thank you for having me on. That's awesome. Okay. Well, I will speak to you soon. Speak to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to What Moves You with Jesse. Let's stay connected. You can find more ideas and strategies on being human on my Instagram at What Moves You with Jesse. Sign up for my newsletter or learn more about working with me at whatmovesyouwithjesse.com and please rate and review the show and let us know what you think and what resonated. I read every single review. They mean so much to me. You can also call in on our hotline with your thoughts on what resonated there too. It is always live at 818-646-JESS. That's 818-646-JESS. What Moves You with Jesse is produced by Mike McGraw and Tinker City Music. Now, let's take a deep breath and give ourselves permission to live in this moment for what truly moves you.